Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, episode 174. She claimed to have eaten up to two kilos of chocolate per day. Peak as in what? Probably peak sex life because she had to fuel. (laughs) She had to fuel that magic yoni somehow. So so far we've covered eat lots of chocolate and drink lots of wine and have lots of sex (laughs) and have lots of sex. Yeah, no, but but legit. Because here's another thing about chocolate: when you combine dairy products with cacao. It no. nullifies almost all of the nutritional <gasps> benefits oh. on a chemical oh, level. I feel so, so bad for people that don't know that. Have it as dark as possible. <laughs> That's what she said. You know what I'm saying, girl? <laughs> yeah. So when you choose that chocolate, <gasps> get yourself some 85% Ohio. Ooh. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Allison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Hills Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately. All right, welcome Food Hills Nation. I'm Allison Melody and welcome to episode three of our four-part wellness warrior series where i'm roundtabling with some of my favorite plant 
empowered people like Eternity author and host of How to Live to 100, the first ever vegan show on the cooking channel, Jason Robel. Hello, my dear. Hello. So glad to have you with us. Glad to be back. And we've got YouTube personality and winner of the Ed Badgley Jr. Environmental Activist Award, the eco-vegan gal, Whitney Lauritsen. What up? What up? I was really hoping Jason was going to wow. say that, so I'm like, I gotta say it for him. I left it for you. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, what up? But I'm not someone that ever says that, so it felt very out of character for me. Embrace, embrace the what up. You yeah. can embrace the what up. And the plant-powered chef who might be the vegan love child of Louis C.K. and Rachel Ray. She makes a mean unicorn-themed brunch, Nicole Dersway. <laughs> oh, someone's trying to one-up me. <laughs> That's my Xena warrior princess. She's trying to win. Okay, Nicole wins this round. We'll see who wins round four next week. But today we're talking about longevity. And you may have heard of the Blue Zones, which are these five cities across the world where people are living the longest. So Dan Buettner wrote two books on the Blue Zones, and he has a TED Talk you can watch. And he studied why people were living the longest in these places and what their longevity secrets were. And some of them are like having a community, eating a plant-based diet, getting daily exercise, having a sense of purpose or religion or spirituality. So we're definitely going to talk about all of these today. And I'm going to ask all of my plant-powered faves here what their longevity secrets are. And I'm specifically going to talk about some of the secrets of Loma Linda, California. But first, let's start with a quote from Dan Buettner's second book. It's called The Blue Zone Solution, and it just so happens to cover my favorite longevity secret, and it's probably not what you guys think. Well, Food Heals Nation, you know me pretty well. It goes like this. I know what it is. You do. What do you think it is? Drinking wine. Oh, shit. (laughs) She's got me. (laughs) Is it? She's got me. Yes. Seriously? So one of the Blue Zone secrets from the book is wine at five. So people in all Blue Zones, even some of the Adventists in Loma Linda, California, drink alcohol moderately and regularly. Moderate drinkers outlive non-drinkers. And the trick is to drink one or two glasses per day with friends and or with food. And no, you can't save up all week and have 14 drinks on a Saturday. That's a direct quote from Dan. Direct quote. (laughs) (laughs) so that's one of my favorite blue zone secrets there are so many more and there are so many people that live to 100 without drinking alcohol and we're going to talk all about that but we're going to start with jason because you actually hosted the first ever vegan show on the cooking channel and it was called how to live to 100 so basically this is your show take it away (laughs) so all right. I, I first of all, I'm very happy to hear this uh, wine revelation. I, You're I, welcome. I, I it, it bodes well for all of us, truthfully. Yeah. Because uh, I do enjoy my vino. Mm, I don't know. Out of everybody in this room, you drink the least. Uh, but I do enjoy it when I do it. Well, I've got a bottle with your name on it. Do when you? We're done here. Yeah. Why yeah, don't we, we have our wine we glasses? Out. Yeah. Why <laughs> don't we? I, I basically only drink wine. I mean, mostly now. Yeah, me too. I exactly. feel I'm more of a I, cocktail gal myself. That's sexy. When really you would cocktail. be into the cocktail. I like a cocktail if it is very special and it has like a special organic vodka or a CBD oil, like we're gonna do at Gracias Madre <gasps> yes! tonight. Need it. Yes. Yes. Need it. But Need normally it. my go-to is wine. But Jason, please. Continue. Okay, so so on this <laughs> on this tip, right? Uh, the 
basis for how to live to 100 and a lot of what I've been writing about the past few years and, and doing on tour is talking about these longevity principles and also some some surprising ones like this wine uh, anecdote you shared. So the, the longest recorded living person, her name was Jean Calment, French mm-hmm. woman, and she boasted about having many boyfriends throughout her life. So lots <laughs> of sex, <laughs> wine, but dig this, at her peak, she claimed to have eaten up to two kilos of chocolate per day. Peak as in yeah. what? Exactly. Probably peak sex life because she had to fuel. <laughs> she had to fuel that magic yoni somehow. It is and so, so far we've covered eat lots of chocolate and drink lots of wine and have lots Go. of sex <laughs> and have lots of yeah, sex. Yeah, no, but, but this legit. Is the best. It's it's. Yeah. I, I think though to the point is like if you break mm-hmm. that down, right? Yeah. What you're talking about is is a person, as an example with John Coleman or anybody who does this, where you remove the shame and the guilt from these choices. Yes. You're going to sit down. You're going to be with family. You're going to be with a community or a lover. You're enjoying wine. You're enjoying chocolate. You're enjoying each other's company. And there's just this sense of, of communion in that, right? That's a very- Pleasure. P- pleasure. It's very primal. It's a very primal thing. And, and beyond that, I mean, if we break it down on a nutritional level, we look at the antioxidants in chocolate and wine. We in look non-processed at the, chocolate. Right. I mean, no, yeah, because here's another thing about chocolate. Good stuff. When you combine dairy products with cacao, no. it nullifies almost all of the nutritional <gasps> benefits oh. on a chemical oh, level. I feel so, so bad for people that don't know that. have it as dark as possible. <laughs> That's what she said. You know what I'm saying, girl? <laughs> yeah. So when you choose that chocolate, <gasps> get yourself some 85% or higher. <laughs> so you can go higher. With your desire. What? When you on fire. Well, but here's the thing. So that, that's a really great tip. But for a lot of people, they associate super dark chocolate with not tasting good. Bitterness. So what are some of your favorite dark chocolate brands out there that are like very simple ingredients, high quality, organic, fair trade, all the stuff? Fan, let's go around. Fantastic question. Uh, yes, cacao. Yes, cacao is dope. Okay. Uh, I, that's an experience. Yes, cacao is. Is, is magic. Yes. Magic. I love Coracao confections. Yes. I am a massive chocolate lover, so this is an incredibly hard choice for me. But I will give a shout out to our friends Addictive Wellness. Yes. They have an incredibly high vibe line of very pure chocolates that I think are more medicinal than they are like pleasurable. They're they're nice, but you can tell that they were designed for health benefits. And you only need a small amount of it, which is what I like. I'm one of those people that when I pick a chocolate, I'm often choosing it because it tastes really good and I want to like really indulge. But if I'm going to have chocolate for just a quick treat or like that satisfaction of just the pure chocolate, a brand like Addictive Wellness is nice because you don't overindulge. You're not consuming too much sugar, which tends to be in a lot of chocolate. And you're really getting the pure health benefits of it, which is a really nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the health benefits, we talk about uh, how most Americans are deficient in magnesium. So cacao, raw cacao, the raw unprocessed chocolate, is the highest known natural source of magnesium, right? So that's great for blood flow. That's great for muscle relaxation. That's great for a whole host of other things. So you've got the magnesium, you've got the antioxidants. And here's another reason. You ever wonder why you eat so much chocolate after a breakup? Like hand, right? A lot, a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Is because it has anandamide and it also has phenylethylamine. So these are bliss chemicals that your body actually releases when you're in love. So sometimes when you break up with someone and you're consuming like lots of chocolate cookies and lots of chocolate bars, it's because your brain is so high on love 
and all of a sudden you perceive this whole not, your love's not with you anymore, which is a total illusion. But anyway, you eat lots of chocolate after a breakup because there are chemicals in the chocolate that mimic the effects on the brain as if you're in love. I think we should also go back to wine too. Because no, I'm like, I'll always go back <laughs> to wine. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, all of us on this, on this podcast are vegan and not everybody realizes this, but not all wines are vegan. Some wines have animal products in them. They yes. will use things like fish bladder to process the wine. And uh, there's a great resource for this to make it easy called Barnivore. There's a mm-hmm. website, and I think they have an app mm-hmm. that you can download to instantly find out what wines. Maybe we, so should, helpful. Should we share favorite wine brands? Mine is Bonterra. I love Bonterra because it's organic and vegan, and it's very affordable. It's like $12. You can get it at Whole Foods. You can get it at BevMo. I, don't, I think Trader Joe's has it too. It's very widely available in the United States. I love Vegan Vine, and um, they deliver, and so you can get it delivered to your home because they're not in all stores. And John Sally is, I guess, he, you know, he's the face of it, but he introduced it to me like, I don't know, like five years ago or something. And that's when I learned that, Whitney, that not all wine and alcohol was vegan. And like, I don't even think at that time I was fully vegan yet. I think I was vegetarian and like dipping my toes into veganism. But then when I learned how it was processed, I was like, oh shit you know like I didn't even know this was a thing I had to think about it's just like it's just like when you're first exposed to animal agriculture and you're like oh shit I didn't know this was a thing I had to think about and then once you think about it when you know better you can do better and so I'm not gonna lie and say that every time I go to a bar I go is this vegan no I have my glass of wine but when I'm purchasing it or when I know that I can order it I'm gonna make the best choice possible Mm mm-hmm Did you guys know about the Chardonnay? That's one of the top ones that you should really check if it's vegan um, because a lot of the buttery Chardonnays, which a lot of people that like Chardonnay like the buttery ones, very unique flavor. Um, Most of the time it's made with this process called malolactic fermentation, and they actually take enzyme from the inside of the cow's intestine, the same way that they make Parmesan cheese, to activate and to cultivate that flavor in the Chardonnay. Um, So, yeah, just be careful with the Chardonnay. No, extra extra careful. Here's my question: Who figures that shit out? (laughs) Yeah, how did they know that that would make it taste buttery? You know, like who's in the barns? Like we're going to experiment with these enzymes from the cow's intestines and (laughs) we put them in the wine. Like who has that thought? But if you think about it, I mean, it probably goes way back to before we had all this abilities that we have with laboratories and science and all of that. My three favorite wine brands. I like Frey, uh, but I really love a brand, a small brand out of Northern California called Organic Vintners. Mm-hmm. They have the best Pinot I've ever had. It's nice. so perfect. And then last year, um, uh, actually Nicole and I discovered this really small brand called Art and Farm Wines. Yes. They have a chocolate jalapeno. <gasps> Shut up. That is transcendent. It's like it's like a holy experience, this wine. Wow. It's so good. So what you're saying is you could have wine and chocolate combined, and it's such a great experience yes. that you're going to want to have sex afterwards. Absolutely. And so he- it's like hits the mark. <laughs> but dig this. So here here's one of the reasons, other than like the nutritional benefits, why I think th- those three activities are not only sequential, but I think have so many <laughs> benefits, right? If, if we look at one of the primary causes of aging and disease, it's unabated chronic stress. Mm-hmm. And wine and chocolate and good sex, good love, help to allay all of that stress. Mm-hmm. We reduce our cortisol. We reduce the, the stress response in the body. We flood the body with oxytocin, with, with beautiful chemicals that make us feel good and also extend our longevity. So yeah. on a chemical level, 
these things are helping to mitigate stress, mm-hmm. right? Because I honestly feel that that this is up for debate, but poor diet, absolutely, uh, poor relationships, all these things. But stress, yes, I feel is probably like the silent killer that still isn't getting enough talked about in our in our culture. Sure. It yep. literally is killing people. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That and also gut health too. I know we've talked about I think we yeah. addressed this in a, one of our other episodes, but you know, gut like most issues come back to our gut. Yeah. And I feel like they're also all connected as well because when you think about when you're stressed, you'll get a stomach ache or you'll feel like your intestines are all tight and all that. And it's just it's really everything is so connected and plays a role in it's kind of this domino effect, you know. Yes. Sleep mm-hmm. is a big thing. If you don't get enough sleep, then your body is physically stressed. Oftentimes, we don't sleep because we're stressed out, you know. And and things like wine can be a nice thing to help relax us and help us sleep better and and feel less stressed. And maybe that's part of the reason that wine does play a, a big role in our health is just kind of helping us unwind. Yeah, and I think as long as you're using it for positivity and community and not to mask depression and getting drunk and that type of thing. There's a big difference. Yes. So I think it's like, yeah, exactly. It's your intention behind it. And so I love it because it makes me let go of some of my inhibitions, not in a bad way, but in a just like let go of some of my rigidness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I need that I haven't learned yet how to do on my own. And I'm working on it through meditation and things like that. But it does give me a sense of community to have a glass of wine or two. And I know if I have three or four or five, then I'm in trouble. (laughs) And so I know like I have to know my limits and things like that. So I think it's a really good point to make. And um, Jason, when you were doing your show, How to Live to 100, I know like you had some avid, rabid fans, like you had Kris Jenner shouting you out. And what was the feedback you got that was most things people didn't know? Like what was the most eye-opening thing that you were teaching that people were like, wow? I mean, uh Thank you for the Chris Jenner shout out, by the way, because it's so funny. My my mom is like my biggest fan, right? So she sends me like press clippings and articles. Oh. She's like, "Did you know you were Chris Jenner's cookbook?" And I was like, "I don't keep up with the Kardashians or the Jenners, so this is news to me." Right. But legit, to me, the most profound response to that was getting random messages from families, like say from the Midwest or the South, mm-hmm. saying. You know, my husband, my wife, my dad, my mom, so resistant to eating healthy. Mm -hmm. But they watched your TV show and it was so fun and entertaining. The recipes look so good that, you know, film my my husband actually is eating your cauliflower lentil tacos. That's amazing. So like those messages to me are the kind that, you know, as an art, an artivist, artist and activist, like you receive those kind of messages and it makes everything worthwhile because you realize that sometimes it just requires the right vehicle to reach people with this information. It just requires the right book or the right show. It's like how many times like in my family where, where or other people's family, they're like, you're telling them about health or wellness or whatever. And then years go by, they're not listening to you. Years go by and they're like, you know, I saw on Dr. Oz, they were talking about antioxidants. Yeah. And, and you're, you're like, like mm. grandma, I told you about antioxidants yep. like eight years ago. I know, honey, but Dr. Oz said it. Right. <laughs> it's like it, you sometimes it's just the right messenger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so whether true. that's our all of our YouTube channels, our books, our courses, you know, the, all the beautiful things we're all collectively doing, we don't know the effect it's going to have on other people because sometimes we're just the right moment, the right messenger at the right time. Absolutely. I also feel like it's really interesting that people that don't pick up on these messages, have big resistances. As a close friend of Jason's, I remember when 
his show came out and some of the feedback. Oh. I don't know if you know what I'm going to say, but I do. I'm going to say it and you're probably <laughs> going to nod your head the whole time. But one of the, the reoccurring comments that people would leave that blew my mind mm -hmm. was people that would say, yeah, but who wants to live to 100 anyways? That sounds miserable. Got it. Yeah. Dozens and dozens so it was and dozens of those very comments. common for people and, to say and those things. And my guess is that they're coming from a place where they are at an age where they feel awful. Mm -hmm. They are probably suffering from a multitude of chronic conditions and yep. health diseases. Yeah. And they don't feel high energy and they may have a lot of issues they haven't dealt with so they may have a lot of misery they may hate yes. their job whatever it may be yep. they feel like they've been screwed over whether it's by their jobs their government their children their grant whatever and they haven't worked on themselves and so they can't see a life where they live to 100 happily so your whole mm -hmm. point is to live to 100 with and vitality. Thrive. yes, yes. Exactly. it's not it's not the number yeah it's right. not about this arbitrary right. thing of i'm gonna live to this age because the, the goal is not to get there and be broken down and right. sick. And the goal is to get there, as we've seen with Dan Buettner's research, as right. I've seen with, with meeting certain centenarians that were vibrant and thriving mm -hmm. and strong and clear. Yeah. And, and you see that that is, it, it's not an outlier thing. I mean, in, in our generation, ladies, like we're going to have more people living to 100 and beyond than ever. Our children, our children's generation mm -hmm. is going to see more centenarians than ever. So this is going to become more of a normal thing. Yes. But in the common consciousness, to your point, I think it's just that people are so sad and broken yeah. and yeah. devastated and, and ill. And they associate old age with just misery and discomfort. Because that's the only example they've had. Exactly. Yeah. It's fascinating. We just addressed this with my dad actually recently because we've been having some talks about health and trying to get him over to more of a plant-based diet. And, you know, we just lost my grandpa recently um, in his 80s. And I was like, the same thing, talking about like not even 100. I was like... I think I'm gonna make it to 200. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, up game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I just love you, and I want you to be around for like most of it, you know. And he has a negative idea about that too because he just watched both of his parents within the last five years pass, mm -hmm. um, and they were in their 80s and they were broken down, you know, barely making it across the finish line in misery. And so that's his concept of what it means to live a full life. Yeah. And it's hard to get over that perception with people that like longevity and it's not just about like the quantity of years but packing quality mm -hmm. into those yeah. years and i'm and I, I explained to him i'm like dad there's gymnasts that were grandpa's age and they're like doing cartwheels on yeah. balancing beams i was like your life can be whatever you want it to be yeah. it's all about how you take care of it you choose if you are laying in bed sick and miserable on a ventilator for the last 10 years of your life or if you're thriving, running marathons, whatever it is that you want to do. Because mm -hmm. I also think with like, to your guys' point with the uh, modern medicine and stuff, people are going to stay alive, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have a quality of life. Like we right. maybe have the pharmaceuticals or the machines or whatever to keep people alive, but that right. doesn't, you're responsible for your own quality. Yes. Absolutely. And I, it comes really down to your attitude as well. Yeah. My, I lost my grandfather almost a year ago, and he was 97 and a half when he passed. Wow. He lived the longest out of all my grandparents, and he was such a shining example because my other grandparents died in their 80s. 
and they kind of went out and with a struggle, but a little bit more of the common death that we experience in the United States. Yeah. With my grandfather, though, my, my one that recently passed, he was very aware and happy. His mindset was great. He, he had his intelligence. Like mm -hmm. So much was intact, even though his body was failing him. It was his attitude that pulled him through. And we would always say, like, wow, like every time you thought that it would be his last day, he would persevere mm -hmm. until the very end when his body just gave out. And it was really just his attitude because he didn't complain about it. He would talk about being uncomfortable because, you know, he was uncomfortable, but he wasn't sitting around saying, woe is me. Yeah. He, he, would, he was still trying to walk. He was still trying to do things. He was talking about the future. Mm -hmm. he, was, he, he really just was never a negative man in, in my experience and from what I've heard of my dad, from my dad about him. So he was just showing me that attitude. He wanted to live for as long as he possibly could, and he savored every day, and he was grateful for it, and he was always looking forward to the future. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, had his body not failed in the way that it, it had, like he would have been happy to keep going on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just feel like versus my one of my grandmothers, she got Parkinson's disease and was just a completely miserable person. Mm -hmm. And actually, I have another parallel with that too is on the same side of my the family as my grandmother with Parkinson's my uncle now has Parkinson's and to see how he's handled Parkinson's compared to my grandmother has been incredible basically my grandmother wasted the last like 15 years of her life mm -hmm. she got Parkinson's and she just sat around and complained and it was mm -hmm. woe is me and so when she passed it was almost like a relief to the family yeah versus a sadness because it was like finally the misery is gone yeah whereas my uncle that has parkinson's her son he is doing everything he possibly can to use his body in the state that he has it each day wow. you know it's a degenerative disease so each day it's getting worse and worse and this man is biking across the country he is raising money for Parkinson's. He is doing everything he possibly can to keep his body in great shape. And again, it comes down to attitude. He is determined to take the best care of his body and, and do what he can versus some people who say, oh, I'm sick. I guess my life's over and I'm just going to wait it out. Yeah. You know? And so having those examples in my life have really inspired me to examine how I show up every day. Now, I talked about in one of the other episodes when I got sick, and it was, we, you know, Nicole is sharing this too, how your attitude really impacts how yeah. quickly you heal and how you handle pain and all of that. And so having that positive attitude, even when you're not your best self, even when your immune system is working against you, it's like you can impact your quality of life and your ability to push through it. If you want to live a vibrant life, you can make that choice. And what about you, Nicole? Oh, man. You know what I love about the Blue Zone study and, and the topics involved? Uh, community is my favorite one. Yeah. Um, I know you talked about that last time. Yeah, and it's such a big part of my upbringing. Like, uh, my grandma was kind of the cornerstone of our family growing up. And they had the house with the pool and the grill in the backyard and the Pac-Man machine and Everybody would come together on Sundays and we would do a huge family dinner. 
and they would take turns um like the boys would cook one weekend and then the girls would cook one weekend or or then we'd do like couples cook so like my grandparents would cook one weekend and then my uncle and my aunt would cook and then the next weekend was my dad and my mom lord help them the <laughs> strongest culinary pair like but we would all get together and we'd have these like dinners and it was such a process and everyone was involved my grandma you know she had a garden in the backyard me and my sister would help harvest some of the vegetables that we were gonna be having in the salad that night and we would just go out on the patio like right around sunset and we'd all be together and these dinners had very much of like a european feel to them i didn't know that at the time but when i was in college i, I dated a european so i got the whole <laughs> european dinner thing mm-hmm. because they would start at sunset and we would be out there drinking wine I, not me i was a kid but like everyone would be <laughs> drinking wine and talking and passing plates and laughing until late 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 at night i mean me and my sister would end up like you know passing out they'd have to like put us in the house but that was just such a strong part of my foundation and so it's a huge sentimental place for me and I find that I'm the happiest like the times that I'm feeling the happiest and the most alive and like almost like time is slowing down and I'm so present is when I have these type of community situations whether I'm curating them uh, with my food or just hosting like a little party or going Mm -hmm. to a dinner party where you bring a dish but those kinds of community dinners are the best and like I love the idea of doing it Sunday night it's like such an emotional like detox because you need to talk about everything like you maybe your struggles from the past week and then share your wins and everybody laughs and you're just like in such a beautiful Mm -hmm. relaxed high vibe place to start your week the next day so i mean that's my favorite my fantasy and plan for longevity is to make enough money to have like a ranch or a compound or like (laughs) a wellness center where like community is just built into my lifestyle and like you know, I always have like this fantasies of the big farm tables and stuff like that. So, so to me, it's the community is, is one of my favorite aspects of that. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And like, sometimes you might think like, I have a community, but you really don't, especially people who, I mean, there's people who live in big cities and have no community. There's people that live in small towns and have no sense of community. And it's really like, okay, what do you do every week that brings you together? For some people, like in Loma Linda, it's the Adventist church. For you, you were talk- talking about last time, it's the hiking, right, that you're right. doing all the time. And like you said earlier, you know, your pop-ups and all the dinners that you do and things like that. So what is the community that you have in your life right now? And if you don't have one, it's okay to build one. I know, like, everyone in this room right now, we just started this new community with Whitney where we're going once a month to YouTube studios to work on like our brands and our businesses that are all wellness based. And I think that's a fabulous example. Who do you meet with once a week, once a month? You know, there's meetup.com. There's so many ways to form There's also ecoveganpal.com. <gasps> Tell us everything. <laughs> so I have my brand Eco Vegan Gal and I realized a few years ago one of the most common things that people were saying was challenging for them about going vegan or changing their lifestyle for health is that they didn't know anybody else that could relate or yeah. that understood them or they were experiencing feelings of aloneness or feeling like an outcast, sure. all of that. And so I created a platform called Eco Vegan Pal, which is a community for people that want to meet other kindred spirits, like-minded people online. You know, it's harder to meet these people in person at first, 
and especially if you don't live in a great city like Los Angeles. So that's where Eco Vegan Pal came from, and it's just building this online community of people that that want a safe space to meet one another and talk about things. And I feel like social media is is wonderful. Social media started as a place for community, but social media has changed a lot where it's sometimes people actually feel more alone because of social media. And so it it seems obvious, oh, you can go to a forum or you can go to Facebook and join a group, but I don't feel a sense of community really on most platforms like that. So meet up in person is one of the best things that you can do and something that I'm working on as part of Eco Vegan Pal is doing live meetups. But in the meantime, it's about building a, a very customized, personalized in-depth sense of community where people really feel like they can trust one another. I think that's probably a huge issue right now with social media is the lack of trust and, and just feeling like you never know when somebody is going to criticize you or judge you or, or leave a mean comment or, you know, whatever else. There's a lot of abuse that's happening on there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So my mission is to, is to shift that. Well, that's beautiful. And I think that community is so important you have to find it however you can because you know in Loma Linda where which is one of the blue zones which is right down the street from us here in California they have their church if you're not a church person that's fine so you have to find your community whether in California if you are a wellness blogger or something similar you can join Ego Vegan Pal there are so many different um, ways to become a part of your community you can join like Every single city has this chamber of commerce, right? So if you have a business or anything like that, whatever, if you want to get politically active, whatever you're interested in, there's a community for you within your community. So it's like finding that community. And that was one of um, Dan Buettner's biggest things with the people that live to 100 is they have this sense of community. Yeah. I think there's there's an ability too, because what I've noticed is that when we talk about these centenarian secrets of people living to 100 and beyond... Some people get this look on their face like, oh, my God, that's like 10 more things I need to learn how to do in life. There's like a feeling of overwhelm that I see on people's faces. But much like uh, Nicole discussed in in a lot of her regimens or the things we do is you can kind of combine a lot of these principles, right? It's so like community. You can go on a hike with your friends. So you're getting you're moving your body daily, which is another one of the centenarian secrets. They're moving their bodies daily. Yeah. You can go after your hike, your walk, whatever, go to the beach and go nourish yourself with food. Yeah. So that's another secret, nourishing food. And for a lot of people, you know, spirituality, it doesn't have to be religion, but some sense of connection to something greater than yourself is also one of these secrets. Mm-hmm. And and I think by doing that with people, we can overcome, as Whitney was saying, the sense of social isolation. You know, it's it's amazing that we have, you know, friends and fans and community in Japan and Alaska and, and Samoa and all over the world, but nothing can substitute for like physical presence with another human being. Right. And I feel like social media is fantastic in connecting us and it's been great for business and community building. And But a lot of us in society are feeling so broken and depressed and sad because we're lacking genuine human connection. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be more intentional in carving that time out of our day. Like, you know, we've been talking about like, let's make regular Sunday dinners a thing. Yeah. Like rotate at people's houses. Whoever can make it can make it. But like, let's commit to like Sunday afternoon and evening. Like that's the day we all get together. 
and we do this and be consistent with it because it's, it's an art that needs to be maintained. I think this is a good opportunity to shout out this company that a few of us have been working with called Kitchen Table, mm-hmm. yeah. which is just in Los Angeles right now. Is that right? Just in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, this is it's, their whole concept. It's an app. So I imagine that it'll be available nationally and globally at some point, but it's really based on this whole principle. Nicole, do you want to share some more about your experience with them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So yeah, the whole principle is building community where you're at. Doing it around food. Around food, yeah. So having the nourishing meal and the community, and it's just about like meeting your neighbor and making new friends and making those social connections. And it's not about a network marketing opportunity or like work in any way. Like it's really about just connecting and making these like relationships and doing it around food. I thought it was awesome when I first heard about it, you know, and she was, uh, Kelly, the founder was talking about how, you know, she really started it as a way to like meet her neighbors and stuff because it's like, you know, it's in this modern society, it's not like, the 50s anymore when someone moves in and you knock on their door with a peach pie you just baked and <laughs> meet them, you know. Uh, so right. this is like a way to like, you know, bridge the gap. Yeah, it's been really fun, really fun kind of working with them, getting it started. And anybody can sign up for this and host a yep. meal and you can do it in your home, you can do it in a public area, you can do it at a restaurant. And so Nicole, Jason and I have all been involved in Los Angeles and uh you know, I really hope that it, it does spread across the country because it's kind of like a, a concept like around meetups.com, yeah. which is really great. But that that typically is a little on the casual side where kitchen table, you actually have a host and people are inviting you over and making you food mm-hmm. or you're going you to a restaurant together. Yeah. <laughs> so it really, it drives accountability. Mm-hmm. It drives networking. It's great if you actually want to monetize as well as a host, you can charge money to pay for the food that you're making or the experience that you're having together. And I just think it's it's a beautiful way to bring people together. So yeah. it's, it's amazing that things like that are, evolved, are coming up now. Yeah. And then there's an option, too, that she has where you could donate the proceeds from the uh, mixer that you put on uh, to a charity of your choice. And, you know, anything from animals to children to clean water. And you can just, like, click off a toggle on there. It's a really cool, really cool concept. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to piggyback really quickly. There's a lot of research regarding longevity with epigenetics Mm -hmm. and how the genes express themselves. And the whole crux of this research is that, you know, your genetics load the gun, but your lifestyle choices pull the trigger. That makes so much sense. So if we look at this, I mean, and I can see this with friends, family, clients, myself, that you would have a family history of a certain genetic expression, uh, whether that's a particular disease manifesting or... um, I'll, I'll use two quick examples that come to mind. Um, uh, I knew a girl in high school who uh, her entire family was, well, they were obese. They, they, were, they were, you know, clinically obese people. Uh-huh. The one person in the family who wasn't was her Uncle Wally, the only one. So you looked at this entire family and then you're like, what's up with Wally? <laughs> he was a runner. He was vegan. Mm-hmm. He detoxed. He did colonics. He did infrared saunas. Like mm-hmm. he was the one guy of that bloodline of right. a whole family of obese people. But his lifestyle choices were completely different. He was he was the renegade. He Got was it. the rebel. Yep. Right. I mean, I look at that in certain ways in my family too. Is that I can't compare my life to anybody else in my family because no one's made the same set of lifestyle choices. So right. a lot of people have this thing of like, oh well, I, you know, it's in my genes. It's in my family. 
but we're discounting the effect on our telomeres and our DNA of our daily choices. All the stuff we're talking about with these blue zone secrets, all, all they all affect our genetic expression. Yeah. Did you know that even emotions can be passed down through your genes? Yeah. There has actually been studies done like with, I think, rats. Not that any of us like animal research, but they were under stressful situations and they were able to breed them and track the bloodlines. And, and they would, rem I think it was like they would remember things that their grandparents had experienced or the, the fear would come up. This was in a, I, I think I read this in a great book called The Fear Cure, which really talks about our experiences of fear mm -hmm. but how fear can actually be passed down yeah. through our lineage and so for example you know a hot topic right now in the u.s is like this whole uh neo-nazi thing that's coming up and so mm -hmm. a lot of people are thinking again about the holocaust and world war ii and all those things and imagine like the trauma that people's parents right. had or grandparents had that were in these concentration camps and how that gets passed down to their children and their grandchildren and so it's kind of like embedded in us some of this fear some of this paranoia some of this depression all of that stuff so yeah. it really just like Jason's saying about pulling the trigger you sometimes have to work very hard to change your attitude yep. you have to work hard to not feel depressed or fearful about things like this is like a very conscious choice you have to choose and, and also be kind on yourself because you don't know what your family lineage has experienced. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you, Whitney. And like, it actually reminds me of when a mother is having a child and what's going on in their life emotionally and physically is directly affecting that child's DNA. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be super conscious as mothers. And for me, I remember, um, you know, I've always had, I've always needed more sleep than anyone I knew. I've always had more fatigue than anyone I knew. And so I'm fighting that battle. And that's because my mom had MS when I was born. I mean, go figure. It makes sense. And like, I've had a holistic doctor told me more than once as soon as they find that out. Well, okay, now everything makes sense. You have to work harder than others to get that energy that some people are just born with and wake up with. And so that makes so much sense. It's like, what is your lineage? How was your parents when you were born? And there's so much more to it than what meets the eye, I guess. And you have the attitude to want to make that change in your life. Well, I love this episode and everywhere it's gone. And I just want to wrap up with um, the research I did on Loma Linda because I recently met this BBC correspondent. His name is Peter Bowes. And he hosts the Live Long and Master Aging Lama, L-L-A-M-A podcast. And he's a correspondent for the BBC. And I just told him, like, we're doing this episode about how to live to 100. And we're going to talk about the Blue Zones. And he was like, oh, I did a radio documentary on Loma Linda, which is one of the um, places that the Blue Zones talks about as being one of the places where there's more centenarians and people living to 100. And so I listened to it and it was absolutely fascinating. Everyone should listen to this episode because I think that it will change your perspective a little bit, especially right now if you have a grandmother or grandfather or someone elderly in your life, they can take so much great advice from people that are in Loma Linda living over 100 years old. So in the documentary, he conducts all these fascinating interviews with people, and there's a lot of these Seventh-day Adventists. He goes to their churches, their schools, their elderly homes, but the elderly homes aren't elderly homes. They're like independent living facilities where everyone is fine for themselves, but they provide the food and medical if they need it. There's Literally, it's vegetarian. They have almond milk. Like, there's, 
it, it, it is a place of health and wellness, not a place of death. Like U.S. hospitals usually are giving people jello and cancer feeding foods and all of this stuff. And these places in Loma Linda are giving them these clean vegetarian diets with all these, you know, beautiful foods and things like that. And so they talk about their secrets to longevity. And so I wanted to play you guys a couple of clips of some of the reasons that people in Loma Linda, besides their religious spiritual beliefs and the fact that they are in a community every single Sunday, and that's their day of rest, and they don't touch their cell phones or anything like that. Some of them, they've never touched alcohol, they never touched coffee, like there's just some great clips from this, and I encourage you to listen to the whole interview, but here we go. My name is Henry Nelson. Very shortly, I'll be 91. What's the secret for my longevity? I have never touched tobacco in any form. So do you have friends here that you play with regularly? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. We come out here and we just have fun just doing nothing here. I have never touched alcohol. And uh, you're not going to believe this one. I haven't the faintest idea what coffee tastes like. I hear this all the time. You got to have a cup of coffee to get going in the morning, don't you? I've never touched coffee. Good shots, good shots. I'm going to get one point out of that. I see many folks in their 90s, and I see what it does to some of them. I don't feel that age. I feel maybe 65. I mean, I'm as active now as I was at 65. Well, my name is Melgrove Nathan Josiah. Well, one of the basic principles, principles of our church is found in the Bible. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. If any man defiles that temple, him shall God destroy. The temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you are duty-bound to reserve that temple for God's service. Because he made us. Because of that principle, we are very concerned about what we put into our bodies. We don't discard altogether medical science. Because medical science has a, a lot to do with the guiding us as to how to treat the body. So what you're saying is you're combining the knowledge that you glean from the scriptures and combine that with modern day science. Yes. To determine how to live, what to eat. That's right. And what kind of life to lead. That's right, that's right, that's right. These Adventists, their way of life is mostly a plant-based diet. They get regular exercise and they literally celebrate every Sunday with community, with rest, without computers or cell phones. And that's how they live. And they are part of the blue zones, which are where people are living and thriving to be over 100. And I just think it's a beautiful story. So you should check it out. We'll put the link at foodhealsnation.com. And if you like this series, Food Heals Nation, and you want to delve deeper into these topics, we've created a Wellness Warrior bundle just for you. Each of us here has made you a video training course that will teach you how to uplevel your health and wellness. So we've got morning wellness, AM elixirs to fuel your day and heal you from the inside out with the cold or sway. We've got wellness 101, how to eat healthy, organic and vegan on a budget. 
with Whitney Lauritsen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like everyone's responses. We've got Eternity, How to Heal Your Mind, Body, and Spirit and Live to 100 with Jason Robel. Who loves your baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing Alternative Medicine Awakening, How to Transform Your Routine for Wellness and Weight Loss. So go to foodhealsnation.com slash wellness to download these courses. They are available until November 1st. And we've got bonuses. We've got Whitney's incredible ebook, Healthy, Organic, Vegan on a Budget, which is a complete resource that will teach you how to eat well without breaking the bank. Thank you, Whitney. This comprehensive guide will walk you through strategies for the grocery store, your kitchen, restaurants, and your bank. That's all we really need. We've also got three months of the Food Heals VIP Club with never before heard episodes in the fields of health, wellness, spirituality, business, entrepreneurship, you name it, we've got it. And we've got Jason Robel's five-month program, My Healthy Hustle. This is the best bonus we're offering people. Jason, can you tell us a little bit about what they're going to get? Yes. My Healthy Hustle is an online course that I designed uh, to basically address the six pillars of wellness that I see, which is food, fitness, mindfulness, productivity, organization, and life vision. And I feel like when people focus on these six pillars, they really build the basis for a thriving, joyful, hopefully long life. So we're going to dive into each one of those topics. There's downloadable PDF guides. Uh, there's video modules. There's an online Facebook group. And people are also going to get a, uh, a one-hour coaching call directly with me. Beautiful. And so all of our courses are going to be available until November 1st. But as of November 1st, you cannot get the bonuses. So if you want My Healthy Hustle, if you want three months of the VIP club, if you want the ebook Healthy Organic Vegan on a Budget, you got to sign up by November 1st. Enroll at Food Heals Nation com/wellness. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.